Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, some more big prospects have visited or will be visiting the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Plus, my guy, Mel Kuyper Jr. from ESPN, he had his second and final pre-draft conference call. We got some breakdowns from him on the offensive side of things on today's show. Your calls and texts will close out the show. It's all coming up on this Thursday, April 13th, 2023. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders, win. part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Just win. Your team Just every win. day. Just win. You're a win as a raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And welcome here, Raider Nation, to another edition of the Lockdown Raiders Podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest edition of the show. And if you are checking us out on YouTube, it's because of our guy Ari. If it wasn't for Ari, we wouldn't be on YouTube. Believe me, man, they fought me for the longest for being on YouTube. And Ari said, Q, I got you. I'll get you on YouTube. Just go ahead and make sure you send it on over to me. So at Ari Produces on Twitter, he's making sure that we're up on YouTube each and every day. And we've got over 5,000 subscribers to the show. So I know a lot of people do appreciate Ari and his efforts to have us on YouTube each and every day. Today's edition of the Lockdown Raiders podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Let's go ahead and get started on today's show. And off top, I woke up uh, pretty early on uh, on Wednesday morning to the news that Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter was in fact in Las Vegas visiting with the Raiders on Wednesday. So uh, there you go. He had his top 10 visit and that's all he's doing. I mean, it was a top 30 visit for him. The Raiders top 30 visit for him, but he's only doing visits when it comes to the top 10 teams because he does not expect to get drafted outside of the top 10. Of course, Philadelphia is a team at number 10. So the Raiders at seven, uh, they got to visit with them. And look, the thing about it is, whatever decision they come up with, we know that he could be the very best player in this draft. Can he be trusted to be the number one player? Can he be trusted to be uh, the guy that you put invest a lot of money in expecting to be a leader and an alpha dog on your team? That's something that they have to come up with, and that's why they have him in for a visit. They can look at the tape and see how dominant of a player is, but they want to get inside the brain of Jalen Carter, find out what happened on that night of the street race, and find out just what makes him tick. How much does he love football? All that good stuff. So I think it was a very informative type meeting, and the Raiders will have to make a decision. If he's there at number seven, is it the guy that they take? Because, look, I'll be the first to tell you, he is everything that they need. Not saying that they're going to go get him, but he's everything that they need and would be the best defensive tackle they've had since Daryl Russell. I mentioned Mel Kuyper Jr. from ESPN. He had his pre-draft conference call number two on Wednesday. And of course, I was part of that uh, conference call. Got some really good questions in. And one of the first questions that he was asked, not by me, but others, was about Jalen Carter and how the off the field uh, situation that he's had, how has it affected his stock, if any, at this point? Because what happened at the Combine was now, well, I mean, about a month ago at this point. So here's Mel Kuyper talking about Jalen Carter. Well, you know, as time goes by, it's more so basically now when you get to late April, what he did on the field, he was the best player in college football when he was healthy. Uh, a dominant interior presence, which is what teams need, particularly Seattle. Stopping the run was a huge issue. They were gashed and destroyed against the run last year. They had no run defense whatsoever. So if you're Seattle picking at five and you get the number one player who fills a key positional need area for you, then you could understand why that's the, the projection there. Uh, in terms of, of where we are right now, every team has to, to, to work through that and figure out, you know, the locker room. Do we have a strong locker room? Do we, you know, is Jalen Carter look into and do all your due diligence there? And every team's going to have a different opinion 
based on everything that's that's transpired. But uh, I certainly think he goes in the top five to seven, eight. Um, I just felt like Seattle with the quarterback Richardson gone uh, a little earlier at three, that that was a guy that, like I said, their defense was so bad against the run. And this guy is a potentially a dominant player. So there you go. I've said it a million times. It's up to every individual team what they decide. If they decide that Jalen Carter, the risk is worth the reward. Uh, we know what he could be on the field. Just is he going to be dedicated to do that? And the one thing I've said about the Raiders is between Max Crosby and his work ethic and Chandler Jones and his leadership, I think that they can make it work if they choose to do that because those two guys will probably be great examples for a guy like Jalen Carter. But I don't think he gets out of the top 10. I'd be surprised if he gets past five. I I'd be surprised if he gets past Seattle. I've said that a bunch of times. But if the Raiders were to pass on him at seven, I could totally see him getting to number 10 and the Philadelphia Eagles picking him. They have Jordan Davis, used to be at Georgia. They have N'Kobe Dean, used to be at Georgia. And they literally were the guys that kind of babysat Jalen Carter and just said, hey, this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is when we get to practice. I mean, the guys that he they, he needs around him, that's who they were at Georgia, uh, talking about Davis and N'Kobe Dean. So I would not be shocked to see Jalen Carter go number 10 overall to the Philadelphia Eagles if he's still on the board at that point. Also, Ian Rappaport tweeted out uh, late on Wednesday that Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker is visiting the Lions today. We'll spend the latter part of the week on visits with the Bucks at number 19 and the Raiders with number 7 and number 38 overall. Both in- interesting potential landing spots. And I spent a lot of my show on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Spent a lot of that radio show on Wednesday talking all things Hendon Hooker and uh, after watching that on the clock on ESPN with the Mannings about Hendon Hooker and of course seeing what he was able to do in college, only throwing five interceptions over the course of two seasons I know the player could be good the only thing that ever concerns me is what I've said many many times that's the offense that he's coming out of with Josh Heupel being very similar to that Art Bryles basketball on grass spread them out and you know just make it very easy and kind of simplify it for the quarterback so uh, here's Mel Kuyper talking about Hendon Hooker again on his pre-draft conference call that he had on Wednesday just breaking down his thoughts on the quarterback from Tennessee yeah Hendon Hooker is a guy that's going to have an opportunity I think maybe to be a late one I've heard and seen you know, projections like Mike Tannenbaum had him at five some others think the, to Minnesota at 23 I on ratings this is where mock drafts skew the process a bit on my ratings board he's a late second um, and say so why is that well, you know, he comes out of a quarterback-friendly offense, and by that I mean get the ball out quick in the shotgun. Great receivers to throw to, great offensive line, two couple, two running backs who are very effective. Um, you know, he didn't have to go through long progressions. The ball came out pretty quick. Uh, he didn't have to roll left or right and throw in the move. Uh, he's coming off an ACL. He's 25 years of age. He'll be 26 in January. That doesn't bother me. I don't really care much about the age. Coming off the ACL – and the quarterback-friendly offense. Also, I've made this point. Joe Milton stepped in for him when he got hurt and lit it up. You know, Joe Milton in the bowl game against Clemson as an underdog uh, led them to a, a victory, lit it up, didn't even have Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyde in that game. They're two top receivers, yet the system allowed him to have great success, and he has talent. He's got a strong arm. So the quarterback-friendly offense really helped Hendon Hooker. So there's Mel talking about Hendon Hooker and you know what was really – uh, I don't want to say easy for him because there's nothing that comes when it comes to football that's easy. But again, that Josh Heupel offense really helps simplify things. And another question was asked to Mel about Hendon Hooker, and it was the fact that he protected the ball so well 
at Tennessee. I mean, again, five interceptions over the course of two seasons, that's nothing to shake a stick at. I mean, that's pretty stinking amazing. So Mel was asked about Hooker and is part of the reason why he's climbing the boards as well because he was able to protect the ball and that if that gives him a little bit of advantage going into the draft because, again, the ball security is so stinking important when it comes to the NFL. So here's Mel Kuyper talking about Hendon Hooker and his ball security. Yeah, with Hendon, he didn't. He he did a great job uh, staying away from intercept. The ball came out quick. He did have, you know, he had Jalen Hyatt. He had Cedric Tillman. He had Brew McCoy. He had had Keaton. He had really good receivers and fan, a, a tight end. He had really good receivers to throw to. It was a great system that got guys open. Josh Heupel does a great job there. Uh, the offensive line, led by Darnell Wright. Remember, he neutralized Will Anderson Jr. Did a, a great job against some really high-level opponents this year and some really good players. Uh, you had a veteran offensive line. You had two running backs who were very effective, uh, you know, giving them balance. So there were a lot of things in place there for the quarterback. But you're right, he did not throw interceptions. Uh, he's not going to be the, the dual-threat quarterback that, that, uh, that Hurts is, uh, even though he had, what, nine rushing touchdowns at Virginia Tech in 2020. Um, he's a pocket passer. He's a, he's a flat footed pocket passer. And then I think there's some things he needs to work on, but you know, his accuracy was there. Uh, his decision-making was really good. Uh, but getting the ball out quickly in that offense to those receivers really helped him. So there you go. A couple thoughts right there from Mel Kuyper Jr. from ESPN, his uh, pre-draft conference call. And I know some people love it when I say it like that, his name like that. Some people hate it. I apologize if you hate it. If you love it, great. <laughs> right? I just can't help myself. I try not to do it every single time, but it's just it's just kind of what I do. But that was his thoughts right there on Hendon Hooker. He was asked multiple times on the pre-draft conference call about him and his stock. And he's not as high on Hooker as others. Others are, but still realizes that he does have a lot of talent and, you know, he, he can uh, mature into a really good quarterback. And the one thing I've said about the Raiders, and I, w- kinda, I didn't go out on a limb, but I said that I felt my gut feeling was that by the time the first round is over on, uh, on April 27th in Kansas City, the Raiders are going to have two picks. For some reason, my gut feeling tells me with those 12 selections that they have that they're going to pick at seven and then they're going to trade back into the end of round one uh, from the beginning of round two. And that very easily could end up being for Hendon Hooker and get that fifth-year option because you know he's got the torn ACL. He's coming off of that. To get that fifth-year option, I think, would be a big bonus for the silver and black. But that's just, I don't know, like I said, it's just my gut feeling. Nobody's told me that. That's just how I feel. Also on Wednesday, the Raiders uh, cut down their roster to 73. They put out a tweet saying we've waived punter Julian Diaz and wide receiver Isaiah Zuber. So uh, not a big deal. I know a couple people was like, well, the roster's only at 73. Why do they got to cut them? Look, they're getting close to the draft. They have at least 12 draft picks that they could make if they do go ahead and use them all. I don't think that they will, but then they're going to sign a bunch of undrafted free agents right after the draft as well. So, uh, yeah, they're just kind of getting everything together, trimming the roster a little bit, preparing for the draft coming up in, well, at this point now, two weeks. So think about that. Two weeks from now, we'll be in Kansas City wondering what the Raiders are going to do in the first round of the draft. That is very exciting. Final note that I have for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day is something about New York Giants star running back Saquon Barkley and the fact that he's not planning to sign his franchise tag before the team's offseason program begins. This is from Adam Schefter on Twitter. And the reason I bring that up is because, well, 
Josh Jacobs, he holds the franchise tag for the silver and black. And it won. If they don't get a, a long-term deal worked out by July 15th, then Jacobs or Barkley or anyone else with a franchise tag will have to play for however much that tag is. And for running backs, it's $10.091 million in 2023. Again, under the one-year franchise tag. And that's what Josh Jacobs is holding. But also, because Saquon Barkley doesn't plan on being in attendance to the offseason program, and since he doesn't have a contract, he's not allowed to be there. He wouldn't be eligible. First day off-season workouts for the Giants, the 17th. First day off-season workouts for the Raiders, April 17th. That's next Monday. OTAs, off-season workouts also are May 22nd and 23rd, May 25th, May 31st through June 2nd, and then June 12th through 15th for the Silver and Black. But again, if you don't have a contract, you can't be there and don't have to be there. So there can't be any uh, any fines, especially on the mandatory minicamp, June 6th through 8th. That's where you have to be. But if you don't have a contract, then you don't have to contract and you don't have to worry about that. So I just thought that that was an interesting little nugget that apparently uh, the, the Giants and uh, Saquon Barkley were in contract negotiations and it broke down and uh, he decided that he was not going to sign that franchise tag. Uh, they just couldn't get it done. So uh, there's been very quiet noise when it comes to Josh Jacobs and the franchise tag, so I don't know where the team is, but since we haven't heard anything, I'm assuming that they're not anywhere close to coming up with a, a long-term deal as of right now, and I don't think that running back Josh Jacobs plans on signing that franchise tag anytime soon. That's what I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, going to have a few of Mel Kuyper Jr.'s breakdowns all on the offensive side of things. You already heard him talk about Hendon Hooker, but we'll talk about quarterback evaluation. We'll talk about uh, shorter quarterbacks. We'll talk about the tight ends and even running backs in the upcoming draft. That'll come up in segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast after I tell you about Built Bar, and I've been telling you about Built Bar for a very long time, and when I went to the website, Built.com, what stood out to me? This brand new bar that they have, Built Bar Puffs Cookies and Cream. So Cookies and Cream has always been one of those flavors that I've been excited by, but now they add the marshmallow twist and give you a Built Bar Puff Cookies and Cream style, but they have so many other different flavors to choose from as well. Snickerdoodle Chunk Puff. Brownie batter puff, coconut puff. They have the original cookies and cream bar, but they put it in a new packaging to make it, you know, snazz it up a little bit. And they also have caramel and peanuts crave, which is very similar to that candy bar that, you know, that I, I guess satisfies you if you, if you want to say, but this is really good for you. It's a built bar, low in calories, high in protein, low in sugar. Go to the website, built.com. There's so many different things to choose from. So many styles for everyone. They even have the built bites, really small brownie batter, puff bite, churro puff bite. They have something for everybody. They have boxes. They have mixed boxes. You could build your own box. I mean, again, whatever you need, whatever you're, you're craving, whatever you, you want to satisfy you, all you got to do is go to the website, built.com. Matter of fact, everything is just about on sale. You can get an extra 10% off everything you do on built.com. Just check it out today. Great flavors, low in calories, high in protein, low in sugar, great taste of snack. Built Bar, built.com. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Want to get some breakdowns from Mel Kuyper Jr. from ESPN. One of my goals, and I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but I've let the powers that be know at ESPN, and anyone who's been listening to this show for a long time knows that, you know, I do some ESPN national shows on the side, a lot on the weekends, sometimes fill-ins during the week, but I told him because a couple weekends ago, uh, I came on right after Dari and Mel, and I told him, I said, hey man, not trying to get Dari out of his spot, but if anything were to happen sometime and he couldn't do the show with Mel, 
Let me have an opportunity, man. Just one time, I'd like to do a show with Mel Kuyper Jr. And I would say his name just like that at least once, just because I have to, right? I mean, it's kind of like that's what I do. So I, I just would have to do it. I think it'd be a lot of fun, especially this time of year. I mean, the dude is, I mean, a draft wizard, right? I mean, you ask him and you throw some names at him, he's going to hit you with it. So I always enjoy being on his conference calls on Wednesday. It was about an hour and a half long. And I think I asked about four to five questions. And I asked multiple questions at the same time. And then right at towards the end, when I saw that there was only a few left, I just kind of dipped back and got back in line again and asked a couple more questions. So uh, he's really good at breaking this stuff down. Is he going to get everything 100% right? No, none of these uh, draft gurus are going to get him right. We can sit here and spitball all we want and say, oh, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. Oh, the Raiders wouldn't do this. The Raiders are going to do that. And we'll be wrong, too. You never know. And really with this staff, we have a very small sample size of what they like to do. The only thing I really know about Dave Ziegler and his drafting process he loves versatility, and so far what we've seen in a very small sample size, uh, he likes to grab multiples of that same position. Last season, or last year during the draft, uh, multiple offensive linemen, two offensive linemen, two defensive tackles, two running backs. That's what they did in the draft. So we know that he has no problem double dipping when it comes to positions. And that's really all we know at this point, at this stage of the game. But this year, with a full draft, We'll get to be able to see a little bit more from Dave Ziegler. But let's go ahead and dive into some of the offensive breakdowns from Mel and what he had to say. And the first one was my question about evaluating. And really, it came off the strength of Wednesday's show, the podcast that I did when I went over Gilbert Manzano's uh, piece on Monday Morning Quarterback, where he had the top 20 picks in the last 10 years, and there was only like four quarterbacks in 10 years Right. We're talking about four quarterbacks at the top of round one of the draft. Like he has Mel has in his latest draft. He has four quarterbacks back, 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 back. Right. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. He has all four of those guys going in a row. And on Gilbert's list, the top 20 picks in the last 10 years, he only had four quarterbacks. And those were really good quarterbacks. You know, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. So how how difficult would that be to really duplicate? So the first question that I asked Mel was about the evaluation of the top 10 picks. Why are they so hit and miss? And in particular, when you're talking about the top four quarterbacks in this year's draft. Top 10 overall, uh, you know, for quarterbacks, the way it looks right, it's, they're just so interchangeable. Uh, it depends what you want. If you say that height or size is a factor that eliminates a quarterback, if he doesn't you know, fall within a certain parameter, then Bryce Young's out. If you say a quarterback needs to have a certain number of starts, then Anthony Richardson's out. If you say a quarterback had to finish strong and play well in that final year, then Will Levis is out because he was hurt. If you say a quarterback uh, you know, like C.J. Stroud had great talent around him, uh, that assisted him. You know, the Ohio State quarterback thing hasn't been great, even though Justin Fields is showing great promise. Then you look at Stroud a little differently. So all these quarterbacks, you can you can find a reason not to take them. But you can also find, like Bill Walsh always said, the late great Bill Walsh, don't tell me what they can't do, tell me what they can do. And I can tell you what all of them can do. And uh, that's why they're all going to go within, the, I think, the top four. If one slides, it would probably be Levis, who could become this year's Josh Allen, Justin Fields you know, and drop down just a bit. Maybe somebody like they did with Justin. The Bears moved up from 20 to 11 to get him. The Bills move up from 12 to 7 to get Josh Allen. Maybe if Will Levis starts to slide, maybe somebody tries to move up and get him. But they all, I think three of those four definitely go in the top group. And one, if, if one slides, it may be Will Levis. So there you go. Really good answer. And I did like what Mel had to say when he said that, you know, the late, great Bill Walsh always said, don't tell me what they can't do. 
tell me what they can do. And I'll tell you right now, as much as we're getting closer and closer and closer to this NFL draft and the smart guy in me, the brain in me tells me the Raiders have so many holes, they better address the defense and just go all out and make sure that they get the best defensive player just about every time that they go up to to select somebody, right? But I'm telling you, Raider Nation, I'm not going to lie to you. There's still a part of me that says, man, what if Anthony Richardson could be that dude? What if he could be that dude? Should the Raiders make the move and try to swing for the fences? Again, I'm not there yet, but I'm telling you, I don't know if you're on YouTube. You could probably see, you can see the, the, the little Anthony Richardson on my shoulder. <laughs> He's not really there, but it, I mean, it feels like the weight of one shoulder feels a little heavier because the big mammoth Anthony Richardson is standing on it. But Who's not, who's not mammoth? Who's not a super strong, big, you know, just overwhelming athlete? Well, the quarterbacks that have been drafted lately, right? You're talking about Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Bryce Young. Obviously, going back to Drew Brees, he was a shorter quarterback. Mel was asked about shorter quarterbacks and why it's become trendy to select them as we're hearing reports that Bryce Young out of Alabama could go number one overall to the Carolina Panthers. Well, the shotgun, uh, you're so deep in the shotgun now. You're away from the line of scrimmage. Uh, you have sight lines now that you didn't have before. Uh, certainly, you know, you look at the way they spread the field now with so many receiving options uh, that you can get the ball out quick. Uh, you know, I think Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson made these quarterbacks a lot of money that are coming into the draft, you know, at 5'10", 5, 5'11", 5, 6 feet, uh, proving he can do it. Kyler Murray as well. Um, and then certainly, uh, you know, Drew Brees. So Michael Vick was only six feet tall. Uh, five, 11 and a half, six feet. So we have had successful quarterbacks uh, that have won big in the NFL. We won Super Bowls like Russell did uh, that have been that size. So now once that happened, nobody cares anymore. So size went by the boards. And you see now all of a sudden you're looking at Bryce Young, number one pick overall. It's not just the height, it's the size. We have not had a Bryce Young in the draft. We've had quarterbacks that didn't have the ideal at the time height, but they had the weight. And they had the frame. Bryce Young doesn't have either. That's why he's an outlier. He's a, he's a once-in-a-lifetime quarterback. We have never in the history of the common draft had a quarterback his size, 5'10 and a quarter, only probably going to play at 190, 185, go in the first round, let alone number one overall. Then you get into, okay, Stetson Bennett, Georgia, won two national titles. Jake Hayner, Fresno State. Those quarterbacks that are getting a chance now because of the, the quarterbacks that were in the six-foot range that, that made it big. So, again, you know, Bryce has been helped by Russell and Murray, uh, and the other guys are just helped by the fact that six-foot quarterbacks have, have shown because of the way the league is now, protecting the quarterback. I always say they, they protect you, but they don't protect you from the pain. You get the penalty, but you still get the pain. So we act like they protect the quarterback. You're still getting hit. You're still getting hurt. You're still feeling the pain, but the penalty flag's thrown. So that's a little bit of a misnomer there for me. But uh, the shotgun, I think, and the way you spread the field now with so many multiple receiving options helps the quarterback get the ball out quicker and protect his body. Great detailed answer right there from Mel. And the thing about it is all you need to do is have success with one. If one is successful, then everybody's going to say, hey, I need to get that guy as well. I can get that guy. And I, I'll say this about Bryce Young, uh, the, how I have questions about Anthony Richardson. I just don't know who he's going to be on the next level. I do feel like Bryce Young's got that it factor that's going to make him a really good quarterback. And that's very similar to what I felt about Kyler Murray. I saw Kyler Murray up close to personal when he was in high school, saw him up close to personal when he was in college, and knew he had that it factor. Now, I didn't know he had the immaturity issues. I didn't think he was going to get to the NFL and end up being an immature dude. 
right, and kind of a jerk. And that's that's really who, to me, Kyler Murray seems, uh, ever, especially ever since he got his contract extension, just seemed like he was the smartest dude in the room and you couldn't tell him nothing, and I don't really like that. Bryce Young doesn't come off to seem to be that type of guy. Uh, he does have that it factor, so obviously that's a guy that if the Raiders were to be able to get him, if he happened to be available at number three, which I don't think he will be, I would be all for the Raiders going and making that move. And Raider Nation, I think you would as well. How about the tight ends? We know Darren Waller is now in New York with the G-Men. Of course, they brought in O.J. Howard, right? There's other guys that are in the mix as well. I mean, they have some dudes in the tight end role, but they don't have the dude, right? I mean, they've, they've definitely got to continue to to build up that tight end room. And, and with a very deep draft when it comes to tight ends, this is the time to do it. And I think that the Raiders will definitely get at least one tight end coming out of this draft. So Mel was asked about his latest mock draft. It was a two-round mock draft. He has five tight ends mocked in the first two rounds, including Georgia's big man, Darnell Washington. So here's Mel talking about the tight ends, how it's a deep draft for him, how he's got five selected in the first two rounds, and he starts off talking about Darnell Washington. Now, in terms of Darnell, it's good. Well, Darnell you know, is a freakish talent. It's six, six and a half, 265 pounds with his arm length and the way he runs. That's a nat- matchup nightmare. I could see him going in the first round. I- I've been going in the early second, uh, but he's a dynamic talent. You say, well, the Kev- well, Brock Bowers is a great talent too. He's been there, you know, since his freshman year. Brock is a going to be a junior this year. Will be draft eligible in twenty twenty four. Should be a high pick. You got to get the ball to Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers is one of the tough, one of the best tight ends in college football over the last couple of years. And you know, so you got Brock Bowers catching the ball, and then you got Darnell Washington getting his passes. You know, you know. That's the thing. I thought Stetson Bennett did a good job distributing the football to the guy, but you got to get Brock Bowers to six to eight, ten catches a game. So that kind of limits the amount of opportunities for Darnell, but he certainly showed he could do that. Uh, like I said, you don't find many tight ends with his size, his athleticism, and his speed. Uh, Luke Musgrave is, an, is, an off, is a guy you can move around. Uh, he's a move tight end. Uh, he's a, a guy, like people said, Mike, a Mike Gesicki type. I think he could be really good at six, five and change, almost six, six. 250 pounds or run like he does. And he had the injury, so he didn't play much this year, was back healthy for the senior bowl. Uh, that's why I pushed him to the second round. So you really you have and you got some sleepers at this spot. I mean, uh, you know, you got some guys. This, this tight end spot goes a little bit deeper than just the top five, six. Tucker Craft of South Dakota State came back from the injury. The offense didn't get him the ball that much, but he's got talent. Sam LaCourt at Iowa, you can move outside as well. Uh, I mentioned Schoonmaker. Uh, Zach Koontz at Old Dominion, formerly of Penn State, tested great. Uh, Will Mallory, Miami, Randwell, Cameron Latou, uh, Payne Durham didn't run great, but had a really good year at Purdue, and then Davis Allen at Clemson. So that you can go 14, 15 deep at tight end or guys that certainly could get drafted and probably drafted within the first five rounds. Now, wouldn't that be a dream come true, to be able to get Darnell Washington? Now, again, I don't think the Raiders would be in position to get him. I think someone's going to get him in the first round. I don't think the Raiders would go and, and try to pull the trigger on a first-round tight end, even though Darnell Washington could double as a as a sixth offensive lineman, similar to what you saw uh, last year uh, with uh, the seventh-round pick out of Ohio State. Um, uh, now I forgot his name. <laughs> it just blanked on me. It was Dylan Parham and um, – yeah, geez, what's his name now? I completely forgot his name. Thayer Munford. Geez, Thayer Munford is the name. Man, I don't know what I was thinking. But, yeah, Thayer Munford played that role. Nobody was going to throw him the ball. Darnell Washington could be that that guy, play the tight end role, and also act as a sixth offensive lineman because he's so big and he's so good at blocking. So I would love to see that happen, but I think he's going to go in the first round. And if he goes in the second round, I don't think the Raiders are going to have the opportunity to get him either. So I think that they're going to miss on Darnell, but he does seem to be uh, a guy that a lot of teams are going to be pretty high on. So finally, in 
And this is just a short answer from Mel talking about the running back position and B. John Robinson. I've said it many times that the, you know, the running back out of Texas is a really good player, one of the best in the draft. He could easily be a top five player. Not saying he's going to get drafted in top five, but he could be a top five player just because he's that sticking good. So Mel was asked where he thinks he's going to land. And if this is going to show how the league values running backs. Here's Mel on B. John Robinson. Well, I think they value them. They just don't prioritize them in the first round. I think that's what you have to differentiate there. They, they certainly have great value as a player and what they mean to your team. And you get immediate production out of a rookie. I've always said it's the only position in, in football where a rookie running back can play better and be expected to play as good or better that year than he will his entire career. You know, by the fourth, fifth year, they're moving along. So uh, they are ready to go. They're, they're, Plug and play. As long as they can block, they're plug and play. So for Bijan, it's not a fact of, well, you know, we don't value running backs at all. Just first round running backs, you don't, because you don't need to draft one in the first round. There's, they usually drop anyway. Most teams have a pretty good stable of running back, not just one. Even, even Detroit, uh, where I have him going. They have David Montgomery and they have DeAndre Swift. I just felt like he's better than those two, so maybe they'll go that route. But it's hard to really find a place for Bijan because most teams already have a pretty good group of running backs. So there's Mel on Bijan Robinson. And it's funny, him and Todd McShay, they differ in this spot. And the, what they do is Mel doesn't think you take a running back, any running back in the first round. And Todd McShay is like, no, I think you should take a running back, use them all five years, and then move on from them, right? And so they kind of differ in that role. And I, I think I lean in the direction of Todd McShay. Like, why wouldn't you want to get him for a fifth year, even though, you know, you look at what the Raiders did with Josh Jacobs and they didn't even pick up his fifth-year option. And now they're trying to figure out how to hold on to him. So, I mean, the, the concept was right there. Get him in the first round, use him for five years, you know, get him all the carries that he could possibly get, and then move on from him. That's what most teams do, unless you just have an ultra dynamic running back and then you want to assign him to a, a second contract. But even then, even with the best, the second contracts don't always work out. Obviously, Todd Gurley, even Derrick Henry has been conversation about moving on from him. So, you know, the, the best of the best, uh, a lot of times, even that second contract for them don't really work out. But, uh, yeah, Mel doesn't think that you draft a guy in the first round, but he does know B. John Robinson is going to go in the first round. So that's all I got for you for segment number two, little Mel Kuyper Jr., little breakdowns of him uh, on his conference call offensively. And I'll tell you, that was only, what, four or five little sound bites, uh, including the ones I had in segment number one. When I actually broke down the whole thing, the whole hour and a half long, it was over 35, I think it was 35 exactly to be, to be sure, 35 different breakdowns on different players and different positions and all things NFL draft. So we'll have uh, a lot of defense coming up on tomorrow's show. I do want to focus in on the defense because, well, the silver and black needs to focus in on the defense. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. This is the Locked On Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts draft that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start things off. 360 Raider, he's calling to talk about the draft and the position that he's not hearing people talk enough about, if at all. Here he is, 360 Raider. Hey, Q Pasa. What's up, Q? 360 Raider, Con asked a question about the draft. Now, I know we need cornerbacks, and everybody knows we need defensive defensive line, linebacker. Good Lord, we need safety. But what I'm not hearing anybody talk about is tight end. We ain't got one, people. We need a tight end. So I'm curious. 
what your thoughts and Raider Nation's thoughts are on when we're going to draft one, what round, and who that might be. All right. You guys have a great day. 360, thanks for the call. Appreciate you. Tight end position is a must, something that I talked about in segment number two. You heard the sound bites from Mel Kuyper Jr., and this is a deep draft. When it comes to tight ends, something that I talked about. And also I talked about uh, the beast, right? That's uh, that's Dane Brugler's, uh, his draft guide that he put out on The Athletic. Fantastic piece of work. Just looking at the beast right now and looking at the top tight ends that he has. And again, it's a very deep tight end uh, class. But just looking at the top six. Number one, he has Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. He believes he's going to be a first round uh, tight end. Uh, number two, he has Dalton Kincaid out of Utah, also a first-round tight end. Number three, Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State, first and second round he has, uh, first and second round grade on him. Then Darnell Washington, the big man out of Georgia, also the Las Vegas native, first and second round grade on him. Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State has a second round grade on him. And then closing things out with the top six, Sam Laporta out of Iowa, second and third round grade. So that's six right there that at the least, at the very latest, will get a third round selection, right? I mean, according to Dane Brugler, that's what he believes. So that lets you know how deep the tight end class is. And I mean, I'm looking at Darnell Washington. Would love to see the Raiders get him. As I mentioned in segment number two, Sam Laporta would be a really good one. Uh, He's the number six ranked uh, tight end, according to Dane Brugler. Dalton Kincaid out of Utah is a really good one, but he's probably going to go in the first round. I mean, there's a lot of different flavors to choose from. So uh, I think that you don't have to worry. The Raiders will definitely come out of the draft with a tight end, in my opinion. So thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. That was a shorter call. So let's go ahead and get one more in. Uh, Chuck Raider in Austin, Texas. He's calling to talk about the podcast I did on Wednesday about the top 20 list of players drafted in the past 10 years and has a comment on it. Here he is, Chuck Raider in Austin. Q. What's up, buddy? This is Chuck Raider out here in Austin, Texas. Austin Raider. Hey, I just wanted to follow up with you on the podcast today. It was fantastic. Uh, you brought in uh, your boy Gilbert there. Um, and what I wanted to go over was uh, the, the top players from the last 10 years in the draft, and the draft is it's such a crapshoot. But it's about mitigating risk, and that's what the Raiders have failed to do so many times over the years. And I get it, they took some of the safe picks, but... You proved my point for me when I, when I called in before and said DBs you can get later round. There was one DB on that whole list. And you named, and I always say in the trenches are where you win. Now granted, there was only two offensive linemen, but that's still 50% more than, than the DB. Not only that, the D linemen dominated the list. And so you want to go ahead and mitigate risk. You go in the trenches. You build from the inside out. And that's the NFL game. And I don't understand why people can't grasp that concept. You just said it to yourself on your show. Okuna, third pick in that draft, gets traded for a fifth rounder. Now, and we grabbed probably the best DB on the team, Hobbs, in the fifth, fifth round. How the hell it? So I look at it and like, there's so many things that I could say on this, but I've been pounding the table for some of these guys. Quentin Nelson is one of my guys. I got a buddy that'll verify all this stuff. I watch the draft every year with him. I was pounding the table for Michael Parsons. Uh, I see the Lamb over uh, Rugs. I mean, I said all these guys. And, I, and I'm nobody. But what I'm saying is you mitigate risk in the draft. And the way you do that is you go for the trenches. You go for the big guys up front. And, and I'm talking D-line, O-line. And you build your team that way out. 
All right, and that's all I got, buddy. Uh, let's let's go Raiders. Come on, draft. What do we got? Have a great one, Q. Love what you're doing. Keep going. Thank you for the call, my man. Appreciate the feedback, and I totally understand where you're coming from. And, of course, the D-line dominance is do- definitely something I noticed. I talked about on Wednesday's show. It stood out. Now, I was talking about defensive tackles and edge rushers. It wasn't like I was just being selective with just one, right? But still, you, to your point, the trenches, the defensive line, they were, they were dominant on the defensive side of things. O-line, as you mentioned, only two guards. That was it. So part of the trenches really stood out in the past uh, 10 years as far as the top 20 draft picks out of there. And really, I mean, look. You just get the best player you can get. In my opinion, this is this is what my argument's been. It's not even an argument. But a lot of people are talking about, well, you're the only one saying that the Raiders should should go and get a corner at seven and you don't do it. No, it's not it. The Raiders have so many holes on defense. I want them to get the best player, their highest rated player at every time, every time they get an opportunity. That's all I'm saying. Because they have so many holes. It's not like, you know, they they have some some corners that you think are really good. They don't have corners that are really good. And there's their defensive line. They don't have a bunch of defensive linemen that you think are really good, right? They have Max Crosby and they have Nate Hobbs. So they need to fill voids at every position. So all I'm saying is whoever your best player, if that's your best, if the defensive line or defensive tackle, when it's your turn to select is the best one, go get him by all means, get him. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying they have so many holes, get the best player they can each and every time because they need alphas. That's all I'm saying. I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand more. It's, it's so funny. So many people think I'm arguing about it. I'm not. I'm a, in agreement. I'm just not going to be narrow-minded where I say it has to be this way because then you get you get yourself caught up in, the, well, I have to select this player because, well, there's a better chance that he's going to be the, the better player than this guy, and, and then you end up missing out on a really good player. That's all I'm saying. Just take the best player available at those positions because the Raiders have so many holes on defense. Every time they get someone is going to be an upgrade as far as I'm concerned. And linebacker, that's a, that, that's a need as well. And I believe that they'll address that maybe in round two or round three because that's where it looks like the best linebackers are going to be, round two and round three. Uh, defensive line, they've got multiple uh, options at defensive tackle. They've got multiple options at edge rusher. They've got multiple options at cornerback. They don't have to get a corner in round one. They can get one in round two, round three, but just let it be the highest rated player at that position at that time, and I'll be happy. That's all I'm saying about that. So thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. Uh, Next up, got a text from Raider Eddie in Denver. What's up, Q? I was thinking about this whole argument about the importance of pass rusher versus corner. I've always been a front seven guy, and my logic is that it only takes one pass rushing stud to destroy a a given offense's play. A stud quarterback could take away a wide receiver on a play, but he can't take away three wide receivers or a combination of other weapons. The quarterback's less importance of a position, in my opinion, and more dependent on his team, while the pass rusher can wreck shop on his own. By the way, have you seen Chris Sims break down to edge rushers? He has Wilson and Van Ness at the top of that position. I'd love to see either one in silver and black. That's Raider Eddie in Denver, kind of going back to the last call I got as well. And, look, I'm going to say the same thing. They complement each other. A really good corner plays really well off a really good pass rush. A really good pass rush plays really good off a really good corner, right? I mean, it's just they go hand in hand. It's it's 11 on 11, right? I mean, it, it, it takes 11 guys to get it done. And the more alphas you have at better positions and more positions, the better you're going to be. Bottom line, I don't care who you pick first or who you pick last, no, no position is less important. That's all I'll say. That's the only disagreement I'll have with you, Raider Eddie. No position, especially on defense, is less important. It's going to take the defensive tackles. It's going to take the edge. It's going to take corners. It's going to take linebackers. It's going to take safeties to get it done. Right now they have one dude, and that's not enough, Max Crosby. And 
really, when you say that it only takes one pass rusher to destroy an offense, you're actually wrong. How many teams have, have game plan to make sure that Max Crosby doesn't wreck the game, right? And he still has a good game, but he hasn't just destroyed a, a, a game plan because he was just that good, and he is that good. But they can double and triple him and say, I'm not, I'm not worried about the rest of the, the team. So there's that. And, and he can get home sometimes, and he does a good job of it. But just think if he has some corners that can cover that were worth the salt. He'd probably get home a little bit more. But again, they go hand in hand. So uh, it's, it's pick your flavor, man. I don't Honestly, I don't care. Just get dominant players at all positions. That's, that's all I really care about. Uh, one more call, then we'll call it a show. Raider Cisco. he's calling to talk about the draft and what he thinks the Raiders should do at the top of the draft. Here he is, Raider Cisco. Yeah, what's up, Q? It's Raider Cisco. Just, uh, just wanted to throw in my ideas about the whole draft coming up. And I, I know there's all those rumors about the Raiders trading up possibly for the third pick overall. And um, I know everyone's on the fence about it. Everyone has their opinions. But I think they should I think they should pull the trigger, man, on that third pick, whether it's Richardson's there or if any is Young or Stroud, if any of them fall. Because if you look back at um, our, you know, our head coach's uh, history, he has a pretty good track record with dealing with these quarterbacks. Like, you know, of course, Tom Brady is the GOAT. You know, he's done that himself. And um, I do think, you know, with our with the coaching over there, it did help him. But um, I can't, for some reason, I'm having a blank on our head coach's name. But, uh, you know, he had Garoppolo there, drafted him, helped develop him. Garoppolo's been a pretty good starter in the league. Jacoby Brissett has been a pretty, you know, he's not a all-pro quarterback, but he's been a solid, stable quarterback in the NFL. I believe they got him in the third round. So, you know, that's not a bad value. Mac Jones has played very well for him not even having that many weapons. Um, Stidham, I believe, was drafted, and he kind of worked with him a little bit, kind of helped develop him. Yeah, he's still very young and stuff, but, you know, he's, like, solid. And none of the guys that, you know, he's drafted, well, I guess there's Tim Tebow first, but all the guys that he's drafted, it's never been, like, a top lottery pick. They've never had that huge ceiling. I know Mac Jones, Garoppolo, they were like first, second round draft picks, but they never had the huge ceiling as a Richardson, a Stroud, a Bryce Young. This guy has a solid understanding of how to develop a quarterback. He has developed solid NFL starters. And um, the type of caliber that we could get if we could move up to the third round pick, I think might be worth the, the risk, worth the investment. We have to deal with Herbert. We have to deal with Mahomes. We need our superstar on that end. And um, I think the Raiders should pull the trigger. I love Richardson if he's there on three or any of the other guys. Any of those top three quarterbacks I'd be happy with. I think we need to pull that trigger, and then the rest of the draft we can focus on um, a defense. Let me know what you think, man. Just win, baby. Cisco, thanks so much for the call. Appreciate you. And you're good with rolling the dice. Trade up and go get your quarterback and trust that head coach Josh McDaniels can develop him. Uh, and look, the thing about McDaniels that I can't agree with, and I know a lot of people don't want to give him credit, he's worked with a lot of different quarterbacks, right? Obviously, Brady uh, had Carr last year, but he's also worked with Cam Newton, Mac Jones, you know, Jimmy G, obviously, uh, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, he's he's dealt with a lot of different flavors of quarterback and has figured out how to make it work. So, you know, we'll see. Do they like anyone? Do the Raiders like anyone out of, out of Young and Stroud or after Young and Stroud? Or is it just those two? 
Are they in on Richardson? Are they on in on Hendon Hooker? Are they in on DTR? Are they in on Will Levis? I mean, you know, there's so many different flavors. Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Are they in on? I mean, there's it, you just really don't know. I do know that they're going to come out of the draft with a quarterback. At least I'm like 99% sure they're going to come out of the draft with at least one quarterback. But we just don't know if it's going to be early or if it's going to be in the middle rounds or it's going to be late. But at some point, They'll come away at the quarterback. Raider Cisco, thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. That's going to do it for today's show. Coming up tomorrow, we got a text from Matt in Northern California. Uh, Ted from L.A. hit us with a call. We'll get those plus more, and we'll have more breakdowns from Mel Kuyper Jr. talking all things defense as we close out the week. So, Raider Nation, thanks so much for making the show your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find the show free and available on all platforms. Thanks so much to my guy, Ari, making sure we're up on YouTube, looking good each and every day. We appreciate him. And Raider Nation, most importantly, we appreciate you. So, again, thanks so much for checking out the show and making it a part of your day. Uh, you're the everydayers, right? Shout out to the everydayers. We definitely appreciate you. Until tomorrow, until we close out the week, uh, thank you so much. Uh, take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Love on your family. Most importantly, as always, just win, baby.